Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point, where this week, really fun, fascinating conversation with Maynard James Keenan talking about the new Pussifer record, Pink Floyd, the mystique in music, aliens, and a lot more. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Let's do your turning point first, and then we'll come on to the wonderful record, which is, I really freaking love the sound of it and the fact that it moves in so many different directions. I think we've all, we all have, um, we all have multiple. I mean, I hope you would have multiple uh, as a living creature where you're confronted with a decision you have to make or a decision is made for you. Um, and then whatever, whatever you are armed with as an individual to um, make it through that decision, forced or otherwise, uh, it kind of comes down to your preparation, who you, what your family was like, what your village was like to raise you and help you with um, making, you know, making decisions in, uh, in the face of uh, difficult times um, or inspirational times. Uh, I think, what were the two that I mentioned? I think it was... Uh, one was military, military was one, I believe. And, and the other was moving to, uh, I believe it was moving... As a child, yeah. yeah. Michigan, yeah. I grew up in part of Ohio, a uh, very uh, interesting uh, up, upbringing there, um, very conservative, more more religious, uh, fundamentalist, religious, uh, what I would call a lot of hypocrisy, a lot of good people, a lot of good people navigating a lot of interesting, dark situations with the with people around them that are pertaining to be good people and hypocritical. So I saw a lot of, a lot of both um, growing up in a Southern Baptist uh, environment in Ohio. A lot of talk, not a lot of walk. Um, and then at some point, uh, so some circumstances in my life uh, shifted dramatically to where uh, we made a decision to send me to live with my father in Michigan. And Getting there was a, an entirely different environment. Um, he was, had his large garden. We lived in the middle of an orchard. Uh, there was farming all around us. And in order for, he was a teacher, high school teacher, his wife, Jan, my stepmother, I consider her my second mother. Um, she was also a teacher. So for us to get to school in the morning, there was all these, in, in the winter, there was obstacles in front of you. There was snow. You had to get the snow out of the way to get to your goal. Um, I was not involved in sports or farming at all in uh, Ohio. So this is a whole new thing to me. Um, and so I feel like that was kind of a turning point of understanding you're coming into your own body as a, as a, as a eighth or ninth grader, understanding potential, understanding your strengths, your weaknesses in terms of, uh, Am I going to be a football player? Am I going to be a cross-country runner? Well, what makes most sense? I'm 5'5". Five, five. Let's run. Let's not try to bash into walls with <laughs> helmets on. Didn't make any sense. Um, certainly wasn't going to go out for the basketball team. Um, so, and just and then just being around uh, the growing of things. Like, you, you, can't, you can't plant something and then nurture it and protect it and watch it grow without it having some kind of profound effect on you over time if you've never been exposed to that kind of a thing. If you're a kid who grew up in agriculture, 
And that's the first thing after your first word and your first step, you were smack dab in the middle of, of a farm or agriculture. Of course, that's different. But uh, coming from an area where I wasn't really exposed to that, uh, that was a shift uh, to understand how to tend the garden, how to harvest the peach orchard and the apple orchards and the cherries uh, all around you. Um, you know, it shifts, it shifts your perspective, I think. That's so fascinating. There's so many directions to go on with this. And, and I mean, but the first thing I'm curious about is it's funny because one of the things I really love about having these conversations is it's so interesting to find out how these things, you know, these turning point moments, no matter how far back you go, you know, create a through line through your life. And it's so interesting. I mean, you know, as you talk about the profound effect of agriculture and being there and seeing this stuff grow. And then of course, you know, as we started off talking about, we met at the winery. So, you know, I mean, it, it's funny. Did you always know that, you know, your love for growing and having that impact as a teenager would eventually lead you to, or did you see right away the through line of how, you know, the two connected? I mean, you know, I could, I could tell you all day long that I, that I knew, but I didn't know. That's, that's, it's just the benefit of, uh, of hindsight, really. Um, you just kind of find your, you find your way there and, the, and those influences. That's why I feel like, you know, not to go down that path, but I feel like that's why, you know, education is important and exposure to some of those things are important because it might resonate with somebody on some level that might come up later. Um, so having those, having those programs within your education system of, uh, of planting things, growing things, not just, not just focusing on the math and reading, uh, but actually kind of dabbling into the more tactile arts. Um, you know, woodshop was always fun, except, you know, when you have a bad teacher and everybody's missing thumbs and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like those are important pieces and they, and they, they end up, coming up later when you go, Oh, I kind of understand that. And I think for most people it's action and reaction, right? Stimulus response. And if you do a thing and you have a grip on a thing and you get praised for a thing, like a good boy, they give you a treat. Uh, you, you continue to sit, stay, um, sit up, right? Shake like a dog. Uh, if you get the treat, you, you continue to pursue, uh, that reward. Um, and so if you're decent at a thing, having been exposed to it early in your life, and then you start to notice some kind of reinforcement, positive reinforcement for it, um, I think you end up unconsciously pursuing it because, you know, you want to be desired, right? You want to be accepted in some way. Um, so I think that's, you know, kind of unfolds in that way. But that's so interesting, though, because coming up in agriculture, I could have manifested in so many different ways. Like it didn't necessarily have to result in a winery. So it's interesting that it did ultimately manifest in that. Well, I think it's just the, the area. When you look at the area and having seen these areas around the world that, are, that, that vines do survive and, and thrive in, and you start connecting the dots. Um, I planted olives uh, over a decade ago, and the olives are now thriving. Um, various Castle Vitrano and various uh, various varieties of olives. Um, but if you tell somebody, oh, we're growing grapes in Arizona, they can't get their head around it. And if I say we're also growing olives, and they say olives survive there, they go, yeah. And they, they go, well, I guess then grapes would because they make the 
it's like survey. Um, one point you don't know, you have no frame of reference. Two points you have a decent frame of reference, but three points now you know where you are. Um, so having those frame of uh, those points of reference helps people understand uh, that all these things are actually possible to not just uh, survive but thrive. And so the vines just ended up being my history of understanding unconsciously what might work here. Interesting. So it was for you as much as, you know, and obviously we'll come out of the record in one second, but like I said, this stuff is fascinating to me. And it's also, I'm not going to lie. And so as you started talking about, you know, your environment in Ohio and the sort of the, the, you know, people who do the talk, but don't walk the walk. I mean, it's become to me such a recurring theme in 2020 because I have a lot of friends who I really respect but who grew up in religious environments. I'm not going to lie. I, I, to me, I don't believe in organized religion at all. It's not something that influences me and I'm not a fan of it. But, you know, I respect other people's opinions and I'm watching as all these people whose opinions I respect are dealing with family members who are trying to support, you know, this, this guy who, you know, I don't know your political beliefs, but disgust me on every single human level. And they just use religion as a justification for it. So as you say that to me, it seems like such a pertinent theme in 2020, you know, as you talk about, you know, your environment growing up. Well, you know, I think, and part of it is uh, our obsession with the polarized nature of the internet. Uh, You like it or you don't like it. And if you like it, then it just keeps shoving more shit in your face that you like and doesn't give you anything you don't like. So there's no actual development of, of balance uh, with what you're seeing and having to have civil conversations with people. Every conversation starts with an argument. Um, and that's, and get, but keep in mind, this is all in a bubble. It's all on in that realm. I'm looking out my window right now at the kale growing in my planter boxes. Uh, and I can see that there's some bugs on one of them. And I'm after we're done with this conversation, I'm going to go deal with that because that's real. That's food. That's tonight's dinner. And I got to save that kale from that uh, attack that I'm seeing. That's real. That's a real attack. This polarization and political shit. um, People have forgotten how to take a step back because you're being being forced to choose sides unrealistically. Would you hire that person? Would you work for that person? Would you trust that person with your bank account? Would you trust that person with your child? Would you trust that person with your younger sister? All these things are no. So that's a bad person. Just drop back to the basics, guys. Drop back to the basics. Like, just look at the people that you're talking about. Um, I don't know. The mil- the, you know, the, one of the other turning points was the military. Um, and I was going to go, we can go deep into that, but we don't have to. Um, part of it is having been accepted to the preparatory uh, school for West Point and one of the foundations for West Point and the prep school, I don't I would imagine Annapolis and the Air Force Academy and all those, one of the foundations is the honor code where you won't lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those who do. That's, that's part of code. And I think that was ingrained in me by my father coming up and then going into a military establishment where like you are out of here if you violate these simple codes, just moral code. 
And then you wake up and you see the politics of the day and it's like, shouldn't all these people be kicked out? You're all fucking liars. Yeah. It's interesting for you. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, it, it's obviously I've heard the record, right? And, and, you know, what's an interesting thing to me, though, as I've talked about with artists is even sometimes subconsciously, these things, they have so much bearing, even if it comes out, you know, like I say, subconsciously. So it's funny. Do you feel like making a record during this time has been influenced at all by all the things that have happened? Or is it a record that you tried to just, you know, because even when I talk about it with people like, like I was just interviewing some members from the E Street Band and we were talking about it. And a lot of people would have expected Springsteen to deliver this really powerful anti-Trump record. And they were all really happy with the fact that in fact, it wasn't that at all. And it went the opposite direction and was this optimistic record. And in a sense, you know, making a record in 2020 that has no political bearing also becomes kind of a statement in a way. If that right. makes sense. There's a, there's a higher power involved here. If you don't believe in... Uh, in organized religion, you have to believe in your higher being, your and your higher path, and and a and a positive thing, and a positive movement, and uh, a positive reinforcement. And I feel like uh, maybe in the case of Bruce, I have not heard that record, but that might be what he was thinking. Is like, well, you know what? Rather than taking the bait and polarizing, let's just. Can, let's just we're out of balance. Everything's negative. Everything's hateful. Everything's polarized. Let's just be positive. Let's just kind of put it back on you to go. Uh, what's your role? What can you make better? What can you stop making worse? Uh, and let's go forward. And I think just as a as an artist statement, I feel like sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to scream. Sometimes sometimes you got to square off with. Uh, whatever you perceive as being outside of yourself, but is most likely inside you too. And sometimes you got to just drop back and just try to figure it out, stay positive, be hopeful. Right. So it's interesting for you as you go back and listen to, and I suck with titles, by the way. So hold on a second here. Let me, I, like I said, I, I mean, and as I mentioned, when I listen to the record, first of all, you know, the song that really jumped out at me at the beginning was Prometheus Personal. And it's funny, I mean, for you, when you go back and listen to Existential Reckoning, do you feel like, do you hear that, how do I want to put this, I guess, higher power answering that or, or just, you know, because obviously also I've read the bio and everything and it's a very, um, dude, it's just fun in a sense as well, at least from by the bio and everything that comes with it and the idea of the aliens and the Peter Gabriel and the, you know, kind of that mix of X-Files meets, uh, I don't know, kind of a little bit of Hunter S. Thompson I felt in there as well. Kind of like if Hunter S. Thompson was on an alien oh. hunt in the X-Files. That's, thank you. That's, a, that's an incredible compliment. Um, Hunter S. and X-Files, I like it. Um, with a little bit of Devo and Kraftwerk mixed in. And of course, you can't forget Peter Gabriel. Uh, I fucking love Peter Gabriel, one of my favorite artists of all time. Yeah. yeah. So I think, well, I think, you know, in high, it's going to be hard for us to really get any kind of perspective on it because we're in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be hard uh, to really see where we were because you really are trying to, to find that space to pry open those um, unconscious um, movements in you uh, to respond to sounds. But, you know, initially that's, that's the process we're responding to sounds. So whatever, 
instrument it is. Um, for example, if I go, Matt, I really, I'm interested in really pursuing mandolin, banjo, um, and a drum machine. I just want to see what happens when you put those things together. Well, the album, if that's, if that's the foundation, if that's where you're starting, um, and a bass synth. So that's, if that's the foundation where you're starting, then all of the stories and all of the movements and all the building and are the architecture that follows is going to be, is going to be in that vibe and you're going to be responding to that vibe. In this particular case, Matt was putting away pieces from a synclavier and a Fairlight and various other, uh, synths and keyboards. So that's where you're going to come from. That's going to be your, that's going to dictate your, your first step and your first response. And you're going to unconsciously uh, probably be responding to those sounds in ways from when you first heard them unconsciously. Right. Right. And also what you're going, and also what you're going through. What are you going through right now? What have you been through? Um, and then as an artist who's been doing things for a long time, you take a step back after your first responses and go, okay, the, I've, I've, I've responded in that way before. Let's change that. Let's, let's throw that out. Let's really put the screws to ourselves and figure out how to, how to adjust that so that I can impress myself with uh, a different response. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes the first response was the best one, but you have to be open to it. You have to be, and, uh, have, you know, connected with it and yet kind of detached enough to just hear it for what it is and make, make the, uh, kind of the self producers cut. Um, if you, if you will. Interesting. So for you, when you go back and look through it, I mean, are there things that you, you know, like those, those cuts, those things that you hear that kind of stand out to you. And like you say, I know also, you know, you're in the midst of it. So it's hard for you to, you know, make sometimes get that perspective. Yeah. And I, there's, there's things that I know that when we first, when we first did them, um, listening back, I had to change them and I couldn't for the life of me right now tell you what those things were because they didn't fit from stepping back and looking at it, listening to it, it didn't fit. So I changed it. And now it fits. And so I don't even hear it the old way anymore. Right. So for you, what are some of the things that you've really like, you know, I don't know, some of like when you go back and you listen to it. And it's interesting too, because it's funny, you know, obviously, and maybe I'm basing this a little bit on the bio, but it feels very cinematic to me in places as well. Like it feels like it's something that could be made into a movie. So are there particularly like visual moments to you that really stand out or that you really like, do you see it as a complete narrative work? And also, by the well, let, let's answer that question first, and then we'll come on to the end of the record. But is it to you like do you see a okay. total through line through it? No, I think the the beautiful thing about Pussifer is that you know our our whole motto has been what is Pussifer is what Pussifer is, and so it is a moving target. And so there might be pieces that are through lines, and there might be dots that were loosely connecting just to keep to keep you interested um i almost feel like we're we're more successful at it than the writers have lost <laughs> that we're, we don't necessarily have a plan but not having a plan is part of the plan uh rather than not having a plan and then not being able to write yourself out of your own script <laughs> sorry guys 
Um, you know, so that there is, there are loose things with connecting, um, and there are over are overarching stories with some of the characters that are introduced in Pussifer. But in a way, we're looking for that. Um, we're looking for those characters that are kind of, in a way, uh, Don Juan's, uh, Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan, where we're actually, we're telling the story, but we're trying to convince you that there's somebody else telling the story so that you actually listen more. If I preach at you, it gets, you get, it's just, just turns into noise, right? Right. But if I'm telling you a story about some other guy that I met, this mysterious person in the desert, all of a sudden you're listening, right? So, you know, I feel like our modern day uh, hat trick is, is extraterrestrials. If, you know, all that stuff, uh, the mysterious, um, what could be, might, might be, it's the modern modern day, you know, uh, religious mystery, you know, cause it, in a way it's mysterious. So, you know, partly dangerous, partly mysterious, partly misunderstood, partly hopeful. It's, uh, it's magical. Um, it's a miracle. He healed the guy. Um, did he, or did, you know, it's, he just found the right herbs and they healed himself because he was going to heal anyway. Um, but it's magic. It's a sign. You know, you can go down the whole Life of Brian film and kind of map out what I mean as far as people's desire to believe in something that they can't quite prove or disprove or it's there, it's not there. Redacted documents. Immediately everybody's attention. What? I'm not supposed to see what's under the black part? <laughs> redacted um you know it's 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 fun that's why x-files was such a successful show like you want to believe but you know you you're an idiot to believe but maybe not when are they gonna really show the aliens and when they started showing the aliens you're like well you blew it don't show the aliens (laughs) (laughs) keep the cat and mouse going between scully and Mulder about whether it's real or not real that's way more fun he actually introduced the aliens and the whole, you know, the whole plot with bees and inoculation. That's dumb. <laughs> you fucked it up. <laughs> keep it. Well, keep it. Keep a, it. What is Pussifer is what Pussifer is. That's more fun. Well, what I was going to say, it's interesting. I won't keep you much longer. I'll make these last couple questions. But I mean, it's funny because, you know, when you start talking about, you know, eighth and ninth grade and immediately I think back to to the idea of, you know, how the music from that time you know, leave such an imprint. And it's funny because as we're talking about this, like, you know, I grew up in an era where I really loved the mystique of music, you know, and that idea of, of you know, the rock stars and the idea of Led Zeppelin and the fact that you didn't know much about them and what you did know about them was exciting or that David Bowie could really be a fucking alien because you just didn't know any better, you know? So it's interesting right. for you, are those artists or are there those artists for you that becomes sort of the reference point for the idea of that mystique and mystery and, you know, keeping Pussifer, like you say, you know, are they or aren't there? Or are they or aren't they, I should say. Yeah, I think think Pink Floyd is a good, Pink Floyd's a good reference. Um, You didn't really know what those guys look like. You just, you just signed on for the journey um, to enjoy, you know, Pink Floyd music. Um, I think there's a lot of bands like that that uh, like craft work, like 
is it is that an actual mannequin or is that guy standing there? I don't know. Um, it's just a uh, it's interesting that there you know, we have those frames of reference that are mysterious. I think for a while I didn't even know. I couldn't couldn't tell you what Angus Young looked like. I couldn't tell you what um, the guys in Devo looked like because they're all kind of wearing the same outfits, so it kind of became confusing as to what you're looking at. Um, I like that. Yeah. Back in the day, the mystery. No, I agree with you. I also love the fact, by the way, too, it's it's interesting because, especially as we talked about the idea of, of music making a statement by not making a statement, you know, I love the fact that Bedlamite ends with that refrain of it's going to be all right. And, and I mean, talk about just that sort of, you know, the importance of ending on a positive note in 2020 because that refrain is just so uplifting. Like, it, it's very soothing. I think I think we kind of do need that positive note, but I think you know I'm I am the quintessential optimistic pessimist or pessimistic optimist, whichever you want to call it. So I think it is going to be all right. Everything is going to work out. Now, whether or not we're involved in the final result, that's the that's up for debate. Dinosaurs didn't make it. It all worked out anyway. But the dinosaurs didn't make <laughs> through that cut, right? <laughs> We're gonna make it through the cut. Because if you really, if you're really concerned about this beautiful blue marble, you can't assume that we're part of the next step. It's going to work out, and that's positive. That's a good thing. Life goes on. You just might not be included. I kind of like that because it's fair. It's funny. This actually came up in conversation not long ago. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend. It's, and, li it's liberating, right? Well, the conversation I was having with a friend was, you know, if based on how things have been in 2020, if aliens came down to Earth to say, okay, we're taking over or whatever it is, could you justify defending the human race? And the reality is, no. <laughs> like, we fucked it up so bad, it'd be hard to say, no, yeah. no, 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 you have to give us another chance based on what? So I, I kind of agree with your thinking. Yeah, put a, neuter us and put collars on us and train us to sit, stay. Then maybe that'll work. I don't know. Pets for aliens. Now, now, by the way, because it does say in the bio that maybe it's, uh, follow, you know, we'll make this last question, but it does say that it answers the question about aliens, possibly. So, so did you find aliens or no? Um, we'll discuss that next time we talk. <laughs> All right, cool, dude. Is there anything that you want to add we did not talk about? I know we're fine. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. I guess if I could add one more question, I'm curious though, by the way, at some point in the future, we don't know when the fuck it will be, but it will happen. You'll get to play this stuff live, presumably. Are there tracks from the record that you're really excited to do live and anything that you're really excited to see how it translates to a stage? Because also, as I mentioned, the cinematic quality, I feel like there could be such a massive sort of stage production in so many different cool ways that go with this. Yeah, we, we already filmed the, uh, the Arcasante uh pay-per-view event that's being edited right now um to be aired on the 30th uh and we did the whole album live uh and i was you know of course nervous about doing some of this stuff live because matt has a lot of of fairlight samples that he had to actually program in and actually play live and i'm really really excited and very surprised at how well it actually came out uh performing that live everything translated perfectly there's a couple of vocal harmonies that were missing just because Karina and I went nuts with several layers of things, but I think, I think we managed to pull it off. Um, for, 
of a live performance. So as far as any particular track individually, I don't, nothing really stood out as being, holy crap, that really worked out. I think it was, I was actually kind of blown away at the, at the band and how we were able to pull all 12 of those songs off in a live setting. Nice. And where was it filmed again? Sorry. Arcosante in Arizona. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, if you go to if you go to if you go to go to if you go to pussyfirlive dot com, it'll give you all the information. And that airs on the thirtieth. Yes. Yeah. See, I love the fact, though. Too, it's funny because we started talking about this at the beginning. Or I mentioned it. You know, I think it's interesting that you know, look, <laughs> artists by nature, obviously, this sounds you know redundant and obvious to say, but are creative people, and it's been really fascinating, especially to get to talk to so many people who have found ways to sort of reinvent themselves during this time, you know, and it's been interesting to find, you know, artists found, have found it very freeing and very liberating doing this, you know, like out of necessity. So I don't know if you found that as well. Well, you know, just be like Bruce Lee, um, be like water, just be like water, go around it, flow around it. Forcing, forcing your will on everything isn't necessarily always the way. Just be like water. I feel like that's a great closing quote. So, all right, dude, thanks so much for your time. Have a good one. Thank you. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You've been here on My Turning Point with guest Maynard James Keenan. Thanks so much for joining us. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.